This is the Youth Workshop Podcast, episode 47. Pick the leaders you want to do the things that you need to do to win the game you're playing. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative, and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. Ladies and gentlemen, so glad that you could join us today for another episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoy. We've got a fantastic guest lined up for you. Just want to remind you that we've got something exciting happening very soon here at the workshop. So please put December the 6th in your diary. That's December the 6th. Let's go. Introduce our special guest, Jeremy McCarter. Jeremy, how you doing, mate? Doing great. Well, thank you very much for letting me hang out with you for a couple minutes. No, I really appreciate it. What, why don't you tell us about um, where you're currently serving and um, yeah, how ministry is shaping up for you at the moment? Yes, sir. So currently I am at, at Life Church in Oklahoma City. Uh, basically, Life Church, uh, we have 25 campuses in seven different states. Nice. And my role is I am the central director of Switch Student Ministries, which basically means I provide direction, training, and resources uh, for campus pastors and the youth pastors uh, at all of our campuses. Fantastic. And how did you end up there? Tell us a bit about your journey to this point. <laughs> yeah. No, so how I got here. So really straight out of college, and nobody really wanted to hire me. I was a single guy <laughs> at the time. And they're like, yeah, just I, I, I had a little bit of a maverick type personality. And so uh, the conservative denomination I was in just wasn't a big fan. And so uh, basically my first church was in Enid, Oklahoma, really small town. I uh, came in, had five kids and just came in and started to do that. Actually ended up uh, in California a few years later. And while I was in California, I started using uh, Life Church resources mm. as, far, as far as videos and even some message stuff. And when we went to California, we sort of went there because the ministry fit who me and my wife were, but we also wanted to get away from our crazy family. Uh, but when we got to California, we began to have our own kids and start to build our own family. And so we wanted to get closer to home. And so uh, the ministry there in California did really, really good. The leaders were incredible. And it got to a place where the leaders were running the ministry, which was one of my dreams that I wanted to see was a ministry that ran itself. Mm. And so the timing was right. And we said, Hey, if we can move, we're like, if we're going to move closer to family. Now's the time. And my wife said, if if you go to any church, where would you go? And I said, I'd go to Life Church, but they would never call me back. And she says, well, the worst thing to do is say no. And so I applied, got the signature email back. And she says, well, the worst thing to do is say no. And so I applied, got the signature email that comes back, says, hey, we got your resume. We'll call you if you need anything. And just, within a couple of weeks, they flew, they flew me to Oklahoma City. And yeah, within a month, I was on staff. Wow. Now, some of our listeners, some of you guys, you're not you, you're not fully aware of of life church. So maybe, Jeremy, just tell tell our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners are from actually everywhere in the world. So maybe just school them a little bit on on life church. <laughs> on school. <laughs> All right. So it is a little bit on on life church. <laughs> on school. <laughs> All right. So it is a little bit of 
history. So uh, 20 years ago, Craig Groeschel and his wife, Amy, they started a church. Uh, they started it uh, in a really, really small sort of uh, history. So uh, 20 years ago, Craig Groeschel and his wife, Amy, they started a church. Uh, they started it uh, in a really, really small sort of um, warehouse area. And quickly that grew, uh, went to a couple different buildings, a bike shop, into their first permanent facility. Uh, with that, they they tried to launch a second campus in a movie theater, and it did okay. It didn't do great, and so we actually they backed off of that a little bit. And then we had the opportunity to merge with the church here in Oklahoma City. So basically, everything sort of began in Oklahoma City. And this new church that wanted to merge with this was about seven miles. Actually, it's seven miles directly down the same road. And so they <laughs> they, they, they merged, and and we had our second campus. And that second campus uh, turned into a third campus, a fourth campus. And so now, like I was saying earlier, we have 25 campuses across seven different states. Um, and really, our, and the big thing about Live Church is we're very high uh, development culture, very, very big on leadership. And so our pastor is able to travel, speak on leadership mm. and do some of those things. But just as a church, uh, very healthy, very fun, uh, very focused. And so with our focus, man, our focus is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so we say it all the time. Our people say it all the time. And so once again, pointing back to some of the leadership stuff uh, that I was talking about earlier. Fantastic. That's the scoop, ladies and gentlemen. That's a bit of the, the history behind Life Church. And I myself have been so, um, I guess, inspired and motivated by a lot of the, the messages that I've heard. Um, it was actually before she started this podcast, one of the podcasts that I regularly listen to was Life Church's podcast and um, Pastor Chris. Messages. And um, I just really, really love his style. And um, yeah, so so even Life Church are having an effect even here in the UK, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and, and app, I mean, well, one of the apps, the the Bible app that many of us use on our phones. Am I right in saying that? That was actually developed by Life Church. Uh, yes, sir. Yep. So version was started here uh, with Bobby Grunewald, Terry Storch. Uh, actually, it started as a, a computer. It was just something, that, a, a website they're trying to do, and the website really didn't do as well as we thought it was going to do. We thought it was going to be like a Bible meets Facebook type thing, and it right. just didn't get legs. But the timing of it is we built everything at the time when Apple opened it up where we could put where individuals could put stuff onto Apple. And mm -hmm. so uh, just the timing and what happened is, you know, been incredible. Fantastic, fantastic. Let's, let's bring it right to the youth ministry to switch. And I've heard that mentioned quite a few times, even in the that I used to listen to. Um, tell us... Now, a bit of the philosophy behind Switch and what you guys are trying to do with your young people. Sure. So the philosophy with us is we are trying to create an environment where students, A, feel welcome, B, want to bring their friends, and C, are connecting uh, with, with, with in relationship with, with an adult leader, with mm -hmm. other students, uh, because we've learned that we, we've done the event-only model before. And when I say that, meaning, hey, we throw a big party and lots of students show up. Yes. We've seen a lot of people disappear. But So we've decided, hey, why can't we sort of have a party that afterwards break into groups and sort of talk about the party and talk about what God's doing, what God wants to do, and mm. do that. So we've become much more intentional of uh, leading small 
and just put emphasis on our small group leaders and taking something that is big in numbers and making it feel small for students. So let's get right down to the nitty gritty now. So what does it look like over a, like a, on a weekly basis? Some of us who are listening to this podcast are struggling with our own programming and finding it difficult to get out of the, the events only approach. Tell us a bit about um, what, an, what an average week looks like for Switch and how maybe we can transition our event only approach to, to a more healthy approach. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing. I wouldn't say that we've gone completely away from an event. Mm -hmm. We just added the pieces. We just added some extra pieces to it that are help us are helping us relationally connect. So, for example, we come in. We have pretty much your typical. You walk in first thing as students walk through the doors. There's gonna be game or a cover song or something like that that mm -hmm. just sort of says, "Okay, you can be comfortable here." Mm -hmm. And we try to make all of that feel like it's pre-experience. And so then there's so there's a countdown clock going on, and just because we've seen games kill enough e events, you know, enough experiences <laughs> or enough services, we're like, okay, we'll just put that on the front end, so that way if it crashes, it just looks like it's sort of before the yeah, show. Good idea. So then once once it gets started, we you know typical we have worship, we have a message. Uh, our messages are a little bit different than some people. Uh, we do uh, probably ninety percent video driven messages. Uh, part of that's efficiency. Part of that's excellence. Part of that's yeah. There's we could talk about all the different reasons, but uh, we go through the night. Youth pastors will do welcomes. They'll do a close, and what a close is is basically after the message is gone, they will get up and they'll do practical application for their particular group of students. You know, just because I have a, a group here in Oklahoma, I have a group in Texas, I have a group in Florida, Albany. I have we have all kinds of different demographics: sixth grade, twelfth grade. Wow all over the country and so we're trying to make sure that we can give some practical application to where their students are what they're doing into their very distinct communities so does and, and out of that we then sort of will push into groups and so the small groups happen right there in real time and we and the way we say it is hey you've heard us talk about this now we want to hear what you have to say and we go straight into groups uh, occasionally the groups are built into the message like it'll the message will start off we'll go five minutes groups five minutes groups five minutes groups but 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 really, we're trying to get them to talk about uh, what we just talked about and to hear what they're saying and to make it real and practical for them. And so most of the time, it's them coming up with practical steps, them and the friends talking amongst the amongst the group and the leader sort of just steering the conversation. That, oh, actually, that's really good. Or, oh, actually, that's really bad in some situations. And so I don't want to lead on that we've cracked the code. But uh, so that's really the start of it. Because that night we're, we're starting a conversation and then our goal that we've communicated to our leaders is we want to start a conversation on Wednesday night that will last till the next Wednesday night where we'll start a new conversation or continue the conversation in some cases. And so, so our, our leaders, we're encouraging them, of course, nothing new, to call their students, to do something with their students and all those different pieces. So the messages, you say 90% video driven. So are they going out throughout every campus? Um, on that Wednesday night at the same time, or are they unique to each setting? Nope, so every every campus, for the most part, are showing the exact same message every night. You know, one of our things is we're, we're one church, multiple locations, and so uh, just for lining up with social media, lining up for Bible reading plans, all the things we're trying to push students to for next steps, it's best to have us all on the same page. So every campus, for the most part, every week is on the exact same message. So tell us a bit about that now, that, that pathway that you have the young people on. Um, what does that look like? What's the what are the stages along? Part? I know I'm really I'm really drilling down on some of the basics here because I think that 
what I'm hearing is is some really practical stuff that we can use in our setting. And I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of youth leaders here who are volunteers and could really deal do with that framework approach. Um, and at least once the framework is in place, then yes, there's space for them to be flexible and be creative but they're struggling right now with the framework so that's why I'm really drilling down on some of this right now. No no it's all good. So tell me a little bit about that the pathway that you have in mind for your young people. Right so so I think there's there's certain things or certain words that we want to see established so like when we stop and we look at like uh, a junior high student. We have we have to define what is it that we want for a junior high student, or what is it that a junior high student is looking for from for themselves. And so, you know, one of the words that we that we sort of tag for junior high is uh, fun. And, and fun's not always the best word. It's not you know because you're like oh it's fun. But if you take a junior you can take a junior high student to a manure farm, and if you can convince them that it's fun, they will buy a, they will buy a hat, they will buy a shirt. <laughs> They won't wash it off of them, uh, it's it, because because it's fun, and it not, it's not just that it's fun, but there's memories in it, mm. and so we want we want to create we want to create memories. Uh, I think another thing we want is man when you're when you're in junior high, you're, you're just discovering everything. Your voice is changing. You're th- you're, you're discovering the opposite of sex, and so every because everything's about discovery. We want to make. What we're talking about is much about discovery. Hey, we want you to discover who God is. We want you to discover what God says about you. We want you to discover what real friendships can look like. We want you to discover your purpose and all those things. We're very intentional of, okay, here's the things we want you to discover uh, while you're inside uh, junior high. And then high school, we have some different words. You know, high school, we come in and we understand it's all about relationships inside our context. I don't want to say this is true for everybody, but for us, for high school students, if their friends are there, they're going to be there. Once again, fun is still good, but they're not. They're, they don't have to have fun. But if their friends are there, they're going to be there. Yeah. But the opposite's also true. If their friends aren't there, or their friends don't want to be there, they're not going to be there, or they're not going to want to be there. Therefore, their parents may end up forcing them. But for the most part, we won't, You know, it, it, that's not the win for us. We want students to want to be there, for their friends to want to be there, and that's the big win. It's, we have to try to create environments and opportunities for students to connect with students much more so uh, inside our high school environments. Uh, and then another thing we're also trying to build is, uh, is, is this something that's foundational? We want them to have some principles that they can take with them as they go to college because we're not looking just to create obedient people who graduate at 18 and we say, hey, we did a good job. We want to create the next love. We want to create the spiritual leaders uh, for the for the for this next decade for the for this for this for the future we want them to be great parents we want to be great people in the workforce we want them to be great leaders inside the church great pastors and you know we we believe they're going to do incredible things and so we just keep trying to set a high bar and push it toward push them towards that love it all right we're going to transition now a little bit into your story and your journey and maybe tell us a bit about the specific time or moment when you decided that you wanted to make a difference in the life of, lives of young people you know, that's a great question. I think the journey really began uh, when my eighth grade year, getting ready to go into high school, uh, went to camp and at camp, camp speaker talked about giving your life to Christ. And, you know, he talked about what shall a man gain if he gives up his soul, you know, if he basically gains everything but gives up his own soul. And so for whatever reason, in that moment, I was, I'd already accepted Christ, but there's this moment of, okay, 
maybe God wants to do something with my life. And then I remember promotion Sunday or whatever you call it at your church. But for us, it's whenever you go from the junior high classroom to the high school classroom, the high school pastor pulled me aside and said, hey, you're about to walk into this room. And I just want you to know that you have more influence than anybody else in this room. And he says, but I also want you to know that you only have four years to use it. And at that moment, I sort of realized I, I, something I didn't realize about myself. I didn't realize I had influence. I didn't realize I, that people saw that in me. And But it was one of those that once I sort of recognized I had it, I was like, well, what could I do? So I began to, you know, invite more friends. I began to sort of see what would happen if I did this or did that. And I noticed people started to follow what I would do. And so probably just identifying, seeing what happened in high school was probably the, the start of it. But then, uh, yeah, then, then it came time for college and I got an opportunity to go play uh, basketball at a college, what was a Christian college. So I did that, got to do in just I just kept taking steps, and I don't know that I ever had this like, okay, here's the moment, but every time I had an opportunity to sort of serve, to do something, a door would open, I'd step through it, and I would learn something, and another door would open, I'd step through, learn, and so, you know, some people have this real big, grand, grand, grandiose moment where it's like, oh, here was the moment. Mine has just sort of been, doors have opened, I've stepped through it, and I know I'm called to it, and just keep walking through the doors. You see, it's really interesting because one of the, the things that is developing over the course of these these conversations we're nearly on you might be actually episode 50 um, and one of the things that is developing over each episode is this idea that everybody thinks that everybody else has this grandiose moment but if we're all saying the same thing that there wasn't this grandiose moment then maybe yeah. the norm is actually just that that God is leading through one step at a time rather than this poor like experience that everyone thinks that everyone else is having <laughs> and yeah I think that's there's really no virgin no bush in front of me or anything like that they're just for god sparked something and i took a step and god sparked something else took another step and yeah so it, much more steps than a big long jump fantastic fantastic so um do you do a lot of preaching in your role a lot of speaking or is it more the overseeing type of perspective you, you know that that is a that's a good question i i do a little bit of teaching but I'm really at a place where I've tried to transition myself out as much as possible uh, just because uh, I, I, I look around and I have some really talented young communicators that if I were a student, I would want to see them and not me. So there's times where if it's one of those we just need to have sort of a, a very vision, a very dad-like talk, it'll be me. But for the most part, I try to delegate that to the younger guys who sort of have you know the better stories and the more – up-to-date things you know mine i still have those jokes of oh hey you remember that dumb and dumber line and stuff like that and it's like yeah, that's so far gone and so yeah so 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 there is communication but a lot of my communication is uh talking to youth pastors talking to campus pastors more vision casting talking to parents uh a little bit more of the higher side of that excellent love it so what is the biggest challenge you have faced um with your work with young people up to this point and I guess bearing in mind the fact that, yes, your role encompasses, in fact, what I like about your role is it encompasses the whole spectrum of youth work. That is the interfacing with the parents, that is the developing other leaders. Um, it's not just in the trenches per se. So maybe taking all of that into consideration, what's the biggest challenge you're facing? Yeah, so are you saying me personally or just as a ministry, some of the challenges we face? Let's go both. Let's start with as a ministry and then let's look at you personally. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we face and is consistency. 
you know, as, as a student growing up, man, I was, anytime the doors of the church were open, I was in, I was at church. If, you know, they had the term terminology gym rat for people who just are always at the gym. And I was a little bit of, I was a little bit of a church rat. I was always up at the church doing something, you know, and I don't know that that exists as much, or maybe it just doesn't exist as much in the model of ministry uh, that we have. And so, you know, so students will come, but they it's not an every week type thing. And so we we see a student being there, you know, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, as opposed to every single week, which can affect group dynamics, which can affect, you know, just just there. You know, if if I only ate once every two weeks, you know, I'm going to be pretty malnourished, you know, over time. And so how, how do we how do we once again get into their world? How do we get things in front of them? Because it's not that they're necessarily saying Hey, tonight's church, and I'm not going to church. It's just, and I have a game. I have your homework. I have a test tomorrow. I have final. You know, there's, I have a driver's license. I have a job. There's all kinds of different things that are there, and yeah, how do how do so so what we're trying to figure out is, man, how do we get help our students be better consistency, or how do we be more consistent in ministry of being in their world, being where they're at, instead of them instead of us saying, hey, fill the dreams model. If you build it, they will come. And then you personally, what's the one of the biggest challenges you're facing um, in your in your work and in your role personally? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question. I'm trying to think of. I think probably one of the hardest things is having been a youth pastor. You you can you can sort of force things to happen as a youth pastor, and that sounds so horrible as I say it out loud. But you know, there, there are certain things you can do to make things happen. And so, role, I am not a make things happen type person. I'm the coach who's you know, coaching the players on the floor. And, you know, we try to hire young, you know, develop young. And so sometimes when you're, you know, you have 20 year olds and, you know, 21, 22, 23, once again, they have all the passion, they have tons of potential, but they just don't necessarily have the wisdom or knowledge that maybe a person who's done ministry, as long as I have, has. And so just sort of the, okay, have patience, slow down. Don't, don't expect them to be where I'm at. So quickly, and I think even just in our organization, for those of us who've been in here for a while, we're like, "How do they not know this?" And it's like, "Oh wait, <laughs> they're 20; <laughs> they'll get there." And so, you know, and it, it really. It, and what's funny is we don't let excuse be, uh, we don't let age be an excuse in our organization. But I think sometimes that, you know, just life experiences, it's hard to coach. We can coach ministry, so we love to hire young and talented, all those things. But just sometimes with that comes, man, there's just lack, sometimes lack of maturity, lack of life experience. And so they're experiencing those things while learning ministry. And so that, that's, that's a little bit of a challenge. Love that. Okay, then maybe a good follow up is, so maybe when those challenges are occurring and you're, you're trying to navigate that, um, is there maybe a, a favorite piece of scripture or a passage, um, something that you like to um, either return to or lean on sometimes to, to just keep you on track when maybe the situations are getting you a little bit frustrated. <laughs> no, no, that, that's a good question. You know, and I think, um, I think probably the verse that comes to mind is Galatians 6, 9, where it talks about, you know, don't, don't, don't get weary in doing good because at the right time, you know, you, there's going to be a harvest. If you don't quit, it's sort of how the verse ends. And so I think there's, mm. we, we just sort of, stay, I, I, we just keep stopping, looking around and saying, okay, here's the thing. Everything has a formula. And the key is figuring out what the right formula is. And if you get the right formula, then you just repeat, repeat, repeat that formula. And so I think it's, okay, we're doing the right things. We're doing the, we're, and eventually there's going to be a harvest and we don't control the harvest. God does. So we're just going to keep doing the right thing, right thing, right thing. 
and there's going to be a harvest of blessings. We're not going to give up. So, that's, so I'd say that's pretty pretty critical as far as, as far as a verse or scripture that sort of drives me, drives us as an organization. Love it. Tell us your best bit of advice, your best piece of advice for all our youth workers out there. I mean, that was pretty epic what you just told us. I, I'm going to hold on to that. That'll probably be my screensaver for a few weeks. But um, <laughs> what's your best piece of advice you could tell our youth workers? If there was just one thing you've learned from your experience, if you could just pick one thing, uh, what would it be? Oh, man, you're going to make me narrow it down to one thing. So, so I, this all goes together. So I'll, I'll sort of say this. Uh, First thing I'd say is figure out who you are and embrace that. Play to that. I think when I first began in ministry, I looked at some of my youth pastor friends and they would just be incredible people. I'd see them talking to parents. I'd see them in lobbies and they were just like magic and incredible. And they'd come home and they were all pumped up and jazzed. And I'd come home from youth ministry and I'd be drained. And I would, and, and for me, I thought I was a bad youth pastor because I was, you know, because I'm looking at all these other guys. I'm like, man, I wish I had that charisma. I wish I had that that approach. I wish I had that all, whatever whatever those people had. I wanted it. You know, I think just the the self awareness of figure out who you are. You know, I I think there's a lot of tests you can take to sort of figure out sort of who you are. And so for me, one of the things I found out is I'm an introvert. Right. So so as an introvert, I'm not naturally built to do some of those things. I'm I'm not I'm not energized by being around people. I'm energized by being alone. Wow. That I was coming home and it wasn't that I was bad with students or that I was bad in student ministry. It's just, I wasn't those other people. So I had to understand some of those things. I also think early in ministry, I tried to be, you know, I'd hear like uh, Doug Fields, who was at Saddleback. I hear him teach a message. I'd be like, oh, that's incredible. And then I'd try to repeat his message and <laughs> it would suck. And so, and so I did that like four times and I realized I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't remember all the points. And so it just, <laughs> it, it got to a point where I just had to realize, okay, what is it that I do really, really good and mm. and doing those things and things I'm not really, really good at? How do I get better? Or how do I find people around me who could do uh, those things uh, even better? Let's, <laughs> I drill, think, let's drill down there. So this is such a key point. This is such a key point. Let's drill down there a bit more. So what things did you find yourself delegating? Uh, okay, so things that I found myself delegating is I am not a real strong pastoral at heart person. And so like when you, you come in, you sort of see the kids who are on the outside who aren't fitting in. There, there are certain people who have the personality of like, oh man, I'm gonna go love on that kid. And once again, my heart could probably go out for them, but that wasn't necessarily my strong mind was like, hey, who are the influencers who walked through them? I wanna go find the influencers. And so I had to be very intentional of, a, recognizing those students and going over and showing them some love, but B, just finding leaders who, man, that's their sweet spot. The people who either they experience that, people who just, that they, they, they are very high in empathy, they're, they're like, okay, I want the student to fit in. And I, I had to surround myself with those people and they would go and they would find those kids and make sure they brought them into the bigger group, the bigger overall. Uh, so that's an example. Uh, I think another example, is I was in, I was, I had, I, we had this idea we were we were in a community that water skiing was really big. And so we decided we want to do a water ski thing. So I went to the church. I'm like, hey, I need some money for this. Do you think we can get in the budget? They said, no, but you can go raise money. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? I, I believe in this enough. Well, I had a leader inside my group who, you know, I didn't know much uh, about him. But my, my leader, he um, – I knew he had a BMW. So I'm like, he must know something about money. <laughs> So I sat down with them and I'm like, hey, his name was David. I'm like, David, I was like, can you help me out? I'm trying to raise money to try to do this. And 
can you help me do this? And so he's like, sure. He goes, why don't you go do it? Why don't you go make it happen? I'll make it happen. We'll get back together in a week. It's like, sweet, fantastic. So I leave and, you know, I'm calling friends. I'm talking to some people I know at the church who have a little bit of money. And so at the end of it, I have $700. And so I'm excited. I'm like, I can at least order the postcard. And and so David shows up and he comes in like, hey, man, how'd you do? I'm like, dude, I got $700. And he gives me five. He's like, dude, that's incredible. And so he he gives me – and so we're we're, we're celebrating. I go, how much did you get? He goes, I got (laughs) $250,000. I said, What? You know, and so it was. Then, so at that moment, I realized, okay, here's a person who knows something about money and about giving that I don't know. Just a little bit, yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit, yeah. And so then, like the church is like, hey, you can't be doing, you can't, you know, all kinds of. But but once again, that water ski camp, this wakeboarding camp, still goes on today because of once again this guy sort of. Me just sort of saying, okay, I could try to go raise all this money, but okay, who's out there who can do this better and. Once again, after that, I, I just turned to David and said, hey, tell me what I need to know and tell me what you did to get there. Because uh, one thing to sort of learn from, learn to, to get the reward, but it's also another thing to figure out how can I get that reward myself going down the road. And so he showed me what he did and, uh, yeah, and who he talked to, and it was pretty genius. Fantastic. You know, I, I think that's a real, from a personal perspective as well, I think that's a real kind of challenge of, Um, that self-awareness that you're talking about and kind of really especially if you're in a setting where you are expected to know it all um, I don't know if you have any advice for a youth leader who's in that position where they're expected to know it all their church expects them to you are the youth leader you are the youth pastor just just fix the youth you know that's that's your (laughs) job Um, and you know that you you don't no, a team of us don't have all those skills, let alone one person. So how do we, be, how do we manage expectations when the church is really expecting us to, to know it all and, and be a master of everything? You know what, that is such a good question. And I, you know, I even experienced that in my first ministry. And if I could have gone back to my first ministry, I, even in what I do in this ministry now is, I think very clear expectations up front, like you said, I asked the senior pastor, what is it that you, what is it that is most important to you? Because at the end of the day, it's the senior pastor's church, you know, it's God's church, but you know, I'm working for him in that environment. So I'm asking the question, what is most important to you? And then I'm taking my skills, my strengths, my energy, and I'm putting it towards the thing that is most important to him and to the families uh, of that church. Now, I know that doesn't quite answer the question you asked because, once again, it's hard to be in an environment where you're expected to lead worship, speak the messages, you know, do the counseling, you know, do the, you know, do the student leadership. So all those pieces are hard. And so I think for me, what I, what I, where I messed up at the very beginning is I tried to do all those things, but what I found to be better <laughs> once I sort of got a little bit more wise is I, I, I stopped trying to do everything and I identified, okay, what are the two or three things I do really, really good? And I just set everything else down. And at that point, it was, hey, I can put together a great experience. I can create the right environment for students to come in. I can teach a decent message. And so I just did that. And then the ministry began to grow. And with that, people want to be a part of a winning team. Of course, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so once you have a winning team, then, you know, once you people start to feel success, they will, they'll jump on board, or at least that's been my experience. And so just by minimizing allowed me to come later to come back around and to maximize once other people are like, oh, that's what you do really well. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, here's what I don't do really well. And they'd be like, oh, I actually do that really well. 
Or I would just I would notice that somebody could do something really well, and I would just go hunt them down. And be like, hey, I know you do this for a living. I need you to come do this for me. Wow. And that's for me, but I need you to come do this for this ministry. And I think that's one thing that I learned in ministry. It's sort of like playing cards. You can play the cards you're dealt, or you can just go through the deck and pick the cards you want. Well, if you pick the cards you want out of the deck, you win. Wow. And so when it comes to leaders, if, if you can go pick your leaders, why wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, this is so powerful. Pick the leaders you want to do the things that you need to do to win the game you're playing. Wow. It's so simple. When you say it like that, it's so, it's so simple. It is. It, it, yeah, it's, it sounds simpler than what it is. Cause you, but once again, if you have a clear vision, you have clear opportunities, and you really let them lead, mm-hmm. uh, most most time, I won't say all the time, but most of the time, you're going to get a win. And sometimes I put a very short I, – I try not – I, I try to put a time limit on it. Hey, can you help me for this semester? Or hey, can you help me for this month to accomplish this task? Because sometimes if you recruit people into student ministry, they think they're there for life. And like, oh, I just don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. I'm like, hey, can you do this for one month or can you do this for six weeks? And typically, they will, they, they'll know within the first week if youth ministry is for them. They'll walk in and be like, oh, this is me. Or they'll walk in and be like, this isn't me. <laughs> and, and then that's <laughs> – and that's okay. I'd rather know early on as opposed to dragging it out. Fantastic. And maybe, you know, we're talking a bit about, I guess we ended up in, in mistake land where we was reflecting on kind of one of the mistakes you made early on, trying to do things um, yourself. Was there any other mistakes that you think you've made in your work with young people that maybe you could share with us? Oh, man. Uh, oh, yeah. There was times where I left kids at camp. That was awesome. Uh, I have all kinds of those kinds of mistakes as far as little things, but I think probably a personal mistake that, and it sort of relates a little bit to what I said before is, but I'll put it this way. Don't, I, I let my role become my identity. And when you do that in youth ministry or just a ministry in general, when you have a good week, you think you're great and you think that God should be patting you on the back and your senior pastor should be giving you a raise. But then when you have a bad week, you think that you're not good. And your senior pastor should probably be firing you and you sort of have this sort of inner dialogue. And we just don't in, – in ministry is just weird because ministry goes in seasons. There's highs. There's lows. And if, if, if my identity is found in my role, then I'm going to miss it. You know, I think even – I think sometimes in youth ministry, we you – know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say America youth ministry. In America youth ministry, there's sort of this stereotype that, you know, it's – pizza and staying up late, showing up work late, having a good time, that you're the clown. And, you know, really with my guys, it's like, man, we're not going to feed that stereotype. You know, I, we want to have, I want you to be the best leader on your campus. I want you to be the best teammate on your campus. I want you to be the best servant on your campus. And because at the end of the day, uh, you don't just all of a sudden become a senior pastor. You don't just become, you know, whatever the next step you want to step into. It's For us, it's, hey, start doing the things we call it your preferred future. Whatever it is you want to do in the future, start doing it right now, and eventually the title will follow. And even if it doesn't, you're still doing what you want to do with or without the title. Wow, 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 wow. Repeat that, please, Jeremy. I want, I want to make sure our listeners get that. Preferred future. Explain preferred future. Yeah, so I, I would say this. I think preferred future, that is where you want to go. That's what you want to do. So let's say I have a youth pastor who their preferred future is, in the future, I want to be a campus pastor. I want to leave my own campus. That's their preferred future. We don't say that's their destination because that's just what they, they, they would prefer to do. And so with that, uh, I'll give you examples. I had a youth pastor who said his preferred future was to be uh, a campus pastor. So I looked at him and I said, hey, here's the deal, man. Right now you've got your ears gauged. You have a man bun. You have you're, – you're, you're sort of – you're looking the part of a student talking like a student. 
I was like, how many of our campus pastors are doing that right now? He said, none. I said, so what are the chances of you becoming, of you reaching your preferred future if you, if you continue to stay on this path? He goes, probably, probably none. I was like, okay, so you've got a choice. What, if, what's your preferred future and do you want, how soon do you want it? And so, you know, once again, we're not here saying you don't have your ears gauged on a man about all those different things, but it's one of those, yeah. If There's you, always you, a sacrifice to be made. As you say, if you, if you want something, you exactly. sacrifice something. Yep, and, they, and that's. And I love that you say that. It's one of our core values. One of our core values is sacrifice. We give up things we love for things we love even more. Mm. So he, so you know what? He got a haircut that day, took his gauges out, and be, and even changed the way that he began to dress. He began to dress more of okay. Here's how campus pastors dress, and his language changed. And what's funny is his language changed, and then uh, even the, his leadership approach and how people approached him, it all changed. That is excellent, and that is I think so key for our listeners because I think sometimes there is that impression that you know well I'm doing I'm doing you a favor I'm doing the church a favor by giving my time giving my efforts surely that's enough but <laughs> this idea of preferred future I'm I'm stealing that I'm sorry but that belongs to me now Jeremy I'll quote you the first few times no you, you don't have to quote me it's all yours I heard it from you Luke thank you for sharing that with us <laughs> brilliant preferred future that is fantastic all right cool now we're coming to the end just got a couple more questions um so as i said many of our youth leaders are volunteers and so um they might be working a job as well as working in the ministry um they're trying to balance a few things they're wearing lots of different hats um so schedules and organization that can be a bit of an issue for some of them so um do you have any ideas of kind of how to be more productive how to not even more productive just how to use time more efficiently and more wisely um, because many of our youth leaders are, are limited. No, you know, and here's the thing, the, the individuals you're talking who do that week in, week out, those are the heroes. Those are the people who are going above and beyond and I believe they should have bigger mansions in heaven than us. So so those are, those, those are the most important people. Once again, the way we put it here, just as far as our leaders, we exist for students, but we can't exist without our leaders. Our leaders are most important commodity and for those who do ministry full time, for free or even for bare minimum, those, those are those are the people who uh, are the real heroes. I think if I, if I were to sit down and say, "Man, here's the best advice I have," I'm trying to think what I would say. I, I think part of it goes back to expectations we talked about earlier, and the piece I would focus on is what is it you really want to accomplish. And because I think if not, there's a lot you can do in ministry. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Do we do events? Do we do choir? Do we do, you know, you, you could you could go on and on. You could look around and say, hey, here's what everybody else is doing. But I think figuring out expectation, defining who you are and what you want to do at the beginning makes life a lot easier. And that can go all the way down to like even things you want to speak on. If you could sit down and say, hey, sometime down the year, here's the five topics I want to cover. It makes your life a lot easier because if not, you let urgency become what dictate dictate what you're going to talk yep. on. Whereas if not, you're able to sort of. If I know, hey, this year we're going to talk about forgiveness, and it may not be for three months. I can at least when I come across stuff, I can at least be like, oh, hey, that will actually apply to what I'm going to be talking about, you know, in March. And I know sort of getting out ahead isn't always the easiest thing, but what we find is if you can get out ahead, uh, if you spend more time on the front side. It'll actually save you more time on the backside. Hundred percent. And so I would, so I, I, I would do that. And I think it's, you know, same thing's true if you're even planning a vacation. If you're, if you're trying to plan a vacation, you say, hey, I'm going to Orlando, Florida. 
you know, it's easy to sort of identify where's the hotel, where's the car, where's everything else. But if you're just on whatever website trying to find where's the best deal, it's going to be harder for you to identify where am I going on vacation because you're just looking for the best deal. I think identifying, hey, where's I really want to go and then finding out, okay, now what do we do inside of this? Now, I don't know if that makes 100% sense. No, it does. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Love it. Cool. And piece I'd add to that is don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. I think that there's probably this stereotype that, hey, youth ministry means you have to do this. You have to speak every week. You have to, you know, you have to do a game every week. You have to do, you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you feel. And I think there's enough people doing youth ministry and enough resources out there, whether they're free or whether it's something you buy, that don't feel like you have to teach every single week. Because, I mean, it, it, if, if I can find somebody who can do it 80%, as my senior pastor would say, if I can find somebody who can do it 50% of what I can do and allow me to focus on what's most important or what I do best, then do those things. Love it. And so. that ties us beautifully onto this next one. Books, resources um, to help us in our ministry or maybe just to help us as, as leaders or as just individuals. Is there anything that you maybe have read recently or I'm sure there are masses you could suggest to us? I know you guys have your resources. Um, suggest a few to us that could really help us as, as um, youth workers and youth professionals. Yeah, no, uh, I would say books. Books Books I've read lately that have been really good. Uh, there's a book called uh, Taking People With You. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote that book, but it's a really good book uh, that sort of is, begin to, is beginning to shape sort of what we do inside our ministry here. Uh, another book I would recommend is Take the Stairs, and that's Rory Vaden. And it, it's, it's a good read. It talks about procrastination, your dreams, different things like that. But what I really like about that book is uh, Taking the Stairs is basically avoiding the shortcuts. Yeah, you can take the elevator, but why? But you're going to cut yourself out of, you know, sort of burning calories going up the stairs. And so it's just sort of, okay, what's the path I need to take? What's the best way? Where am I going to grow the most? And then the last one I'd probably recommend as far as books, we're pretty big on books here, um, is When in the Locker Room First, which is the story of the head coach, one of the head coaches, Mike Smith from the Atlanta Falcons, who used to be the head coach, I should say, and John Gordon from the Energy Bus. And it's just, just seven quick principles. Uh, they call them the seven C's of winning teams. And it's just really, really, really good stuff. Uh, as far as resources, Oh man, that's a, a yeah. You like I said, there, there's a lot out there. I think um, Elevation puts good stuff out there. New Spring has good stuff out there. Uh, Orange, those there, 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 there are plenty of uh, quality people putting great products out uh, out there. And so it really just a matter of what kind of product are you looking for. I know if you're looking for a little bit more of the theological, there's a couple of people who you know probably specialize a little bit more. Uh, in that, um, yeah, the, the, those are sort of the top things come off my head, and that feels like a horrible answer as I wrap it up. But yeah, so I was thinking through those are sort of the first things that popped in my mind. That's perfect. I'm I'm literally I'm downloading on Audible. You win in the locker room first. I'm downloading that right now because um yeah, as someone who works with a team, I think why why is it so hard? This is coming straight off off the dome as they say but why is it so hard to find committed leaders or is this just my experience why is commitment kind of so hard to find because for me i'm finding that commitment over skill every time i don't need the most skillful people but i need the people who are 
100% committed or even 80% committed to the cause so that um, we can really move forward. But why, why is it so hard to find committed people? Or have you found that to be the case in your experience? You know, that is a good question. I think, I think there, I think, okay, so, so I think part of it is, let me process, I can start talking and I'd end up rambling. I would, I think commitment sometimes where, where, where we find a lack of commitment is in a couple when we fail to do a couple things. Uh, we find a lack of commitment when a we don't set clear expectations, so they don't and we don't set them up to win or lose. Mm. And so if I come in, I'm giving you my time for free, and I'm trying to do this, and I, I feel like I'm losing. I'm not going to stick around long. Or if I come in and I have this expectation that you're going to give me a small group, and that me and my girls are going to meet tonight and this Saturday, we're going to get together and paint fingernails and talk about boys, and we're going to have a good time. Well, that's just not realistic. Or if you tell me, hey, my kids are going to just, you know, if you if you were to look at our spiritual growth, they're just going to go, just, you know, it's going to be this this great, you know, increase. Man, that, that's not that's not true of students. It's not, it wasn't true of anybody in the Bible. Everybody's life is a big giant scribble. It's all over the place. It's messy. So if you come in, you think it's just going to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows. You know, my expectations off. So I think sometimes just failing to set the right expectations. Can, can lead to a breakdown of to commitment. And I think another thing is if I'm a high-capacity leader and I feel like everybody around me isn't as a high, if I feel like I'm an eight and everybody else around me is a four, then there's a chance that I may not stick around because I want to feel like I'm part of a winning team. You know, I mean, it's the – you see it in the NBA all the time. People will give up more money. People will give up more time. People will do more to be on a winning a winning team. I mean, LeBron James left Cleveland to go to Miami because he wanted to be on a winning team. Kevin Garnett, you know, we could. Yeah. But but it's but just the fact of, okay, I, I want to be surrounded by people who can win and people who are winning, people who stretch me, people who make me better. Uh, so I said that's a couple things, but the, probably the biggest piece is that we find is commitment isn't necessarily what we struggle with the most at Life Church. What we what, when we see a disconnect with our leaders, it's because we failed to connect them to other leaders. And just like students, students, like we talked about earlier, high school students, they'll come back if they have friends there. If I connect leaders to other leaders and they have relationships with those leaders, even if they get tired of ministry, if they have bad days, all those different things are going to show up because their friends are there. And so how do we relationally connect our leaders to other leaders and make it feel like a family? Wow, wow, wow. Jeremy, you are bringing the heat today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just, I'm just reading the notes you gave me, Luke. Thank you. That's <laughs> part what I really am. <laughs> and literally, we're we're at the end. I, I, we could really talk forever, but leave us with a vision, a dream that you have for the future for young people around the world. Okay. So, can I tell you? Let, let, let me can I tell you something right before I jump to that? Is that okay? Yeah. You can edit edit all of this out. No, if you no, want no, to. no problem. <laughs> so, so I think one of the things we're trying to figure out that's in front of me is, and how do we create content that students want to share? And what I mean by that, and hopefully this isn't offensive to anybody, but in the United States, we have this video that went viral. And it's just basically this guy who basically says D's nuts. And this has millions of views and it's all over the place. Once again, so even a little bit dated now, but even still, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it's all over the place. And for me, I stop and I say, we have the greatest message of all time. What? Why aren't we producing things that students can't wait to share? Now, once again, so 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 that's just something that we're wrestling with. We're trying to figure out here, and not that you you can't 
there's not a recipe for viral. If there was, everybody would be viral. But it's, but but how do we take the greatest story and make it something the students can't wait to share through social media, all those different things? Once again, I think some people have done it okay, but just is there a way that we can do that better? So I say that to lead in sort of here's the vision. I believe we live in the most – the students live in the most socially connected generation of all time. When I was a kid, man, you would go to camp, you'd meet hot girls, and you couldn't ever call them. You, couldn't, you wouldn't talk to them again until the next year at camp because long distance was like $4 a minute. But now, but now kids these days, they, they're connected to people across the world, across this country. They, they, they can connect to whoever they want to connect to. They're connected to all the information they need all at the click of a mouse. They can express their emotions in 15 seconds in their living room and thousands of people can see it. So I have, we have the socially connected generation and, we have, and we're full of students who want to make a difference, who want to be part of something big, who want to get to in and know, hey, my life really matters. And so we have – we have the greatest movement. We have the greatest cause I think there is on the face of this earth. And who better to help students be needed and known than the church? So I think that, you know, what the students need, I think the church has. And I think it's how do we open that up for them to be able to be the church? Fantastic. Fantastic. Jeremy, you have been a revelation, I tell you. A revelation. <laughs> you're, Luke, you're being too kind. I, I have to tell people I had to pay you to get on your podcast. So thank you for letting me on, man. Oh, I appreciate man, it. Oh, man, this is so great. And you you know, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know about the kind of the to-in and fro-in that happens behind the scenes. But from the moment I've made contact with Jeremy, he's been nothing but gracious and just been trying to make it happen. And I really, sincerely, it makes my job so much easier when we have guests like you. So thank you so much, Jeremy. Luke, um, thank you so much, man. It's been it's been an honor. Awesome. And maybe just tell us before you go, what's the best way we can kind of see some of the things that Life Church are up to? I mean, I know, but you know, for our guests, what's the best way that we can kind of have a glimpse of what's going on over at Life Church? So, a couple of things. Life Church is sort of just our main website. Uh, at Craig Rochelle uh, is our senior pastor. A lot there. Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. That's that's a uh, basically anything you've heard here that's really good i probably stole from craig and so you get even more of that stuff man his leadership podcast um another thing if you want resources and not to make a plug for just us because i know there's other churches plugged into ours but if you're like hey i need some good resources we have a website open.life.church which will have all free resources of everything we do from the weekend to kids ministry to student ministry to life groups to graphics uh, whatever whatever churches need, we try to produce those things and put those things there. And it's not just sort of, hey, this may work. It's things we that we're like, this worked for us. And so we want to share it. And if we create something that doesn't work for us, we don't put it out there for you to to crash and burn if we, if we can't fly it. So just know that everything on there is uh, something we've tried and true, and we believe it would be great for uh, the overall church. So I'd say those are some key things to do. And that's openlife.church or open yeah. Open.life.church. Open.life.church. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been amazing. And um, yeah, we look forward to having you back on the show again at some time in the future. And um, yeah, keep up all the work you're doing. And we pray that it all goes, it all goes well for you. Luke, keep growing the kingdom, man. And keep, thanks for just growing, growing all of us as leaders and stretching us and yeah, being out in front and making these kinds of things happen. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeremy. All right. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was absolutely fantastic. Jeremy, once again, thank you so much for your time. Ladies and gents, remember December the 6th, 
put that in your diary there will be a special announcement on that podcast but until next time remember create an impact with your influence Thank you.